Hey guys, welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. I'm Josh. I'm Grant. Grant's here. Hey. (laughs) Grant's joining us this week uh, for this episode. We uh, we are going to, we still have our part two with Cody Huntsman coming up. If you guys listen to that, man, I've heard some great responses that uh, a lot of people are just enjoying being able to hear Cody's testimony. And uh, we're glad. We had some like very well unplanned conversation take place because you know Cody talks about where he grew up he started talking about like doctrine and then his experience you know how God changed him from being like there's a drug infested body to now he's living for the Lord new creation yeah a new creation and he's not perfect but man what a change and only God can do that um so yeah we will have a part two this week uh we weren't I wasn't able to reach out just because me Josh and Grant We've been on a mission trip uh, this last week, and so uh, today's topic, we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Um, we will talk a little bit about our experience from this last week, but man, I hope if our listeners get one thing today, is that they'll see the importance of going out and sharing the gospel, and they may feel inspired to do that wherever they are. Um, so, with that being said, um, just because you know we're going to have some stories to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and read. Um, so here we are, we're in Matthew chapter 28, and I picked this section just because this one's most popular. Um, this is where Jesus is risen, um, he has come up from the grave, he's appeared to Mary Magdalene, to the disciples, and they, they've seen him. And so now, um, Jesus looks at the, the 11 disciples that are left, because remember Judas has betrayed Jesus, so, um, he is out of the picture now, he is dead, and in, Verse 16 in Matthew 28, it says this, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Interesting little phrase right there. Uh, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I command you. And behold, I'm always with you to the end of the age. So we've talked about evangelism quite a bit. Um, and, and if we could kind of summarize that, maybe do like a small recap. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of point this one at Josh. Josh, in a brief summary, what if we could define evangelism, if you could, what? how would you define that for these listeners? Divine evangelism is spreading the, the gospel message, you know, and that's wherever we are called to go and to, to, to just share the message, you know, and it's the, it's, it, it, every time we evangelize, the one thing that we are doing is pointing people to Christ yeah. and to, to him. Um, and th- there is, there's different, um, I guess, different f- formats or platforms, if yeah. you will, that you can evangelize. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I've been guilty in the past of being that, you know, this is not a place of evangelism. Um, but I was wrong, you know, because I would think that, you know, so I had to go get somebody to bring them to evangelize, you know. And uh, there's still people with that mindset, you know, yeah. that I can't evangelize to my neighbor. I got to go get my deacon or my pastor mm-hmm. or, or somebody that's of greater faith than me. Um, and to the listeners, you know, and I guess a lot of it's coming back from just from dealing with the youth this past week is if you're a believer one day in, 
you can share the gospel message. Yeah. You know, because you understand the conviction that came upon you. You understand the place that you were when you realized, you know, and that's the message. That's the message of the cross. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the theology side of it and the, the intelligent side of it that we'll miss it. You know, and I mean, that's what I was trying to express to these kids. They're like, you know, well, I don't know what to say. And I was like, but you do. You just yeah. don't realize what yeah. you, you what you to say because you're looking at yeah. you know that I have to make this just right and I have to say it just so and I have to find a place, but that's not the case. Evangelism is simply sharing the gospel message. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast who may not be uh, Bible students and may not be familiar with the Scripture, if you go on to read where uh, Hunter left off at and see how these men were affected and what actually took place. Uh, it was a phenomenon that can only be described as miraculous mm. because uh, just these men being obedient to the instructions that were given to them turned the whole world upside down. And the scripture even talks about man alive. You know, this is, this is, uh, it's getting out of control. And uh, even one place said, we got to do something about it. We said, well, you better watch what you do because if they're not of God, it'll, it'll fade away. But if they are of God, yeah. you better watch out. So this the, the, the process of, of – are you done, Josh? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in on you, buddy. But it. when you talk about the process of evangelism, evangelism is absolutely just spreading the news. Yep. And I think that sometimes we're guilty of overcomplicating that. Yes. Uh, we need to just uh, understand that, man, God got, uh, has given us a message. Uh, we've got it in our heart if we're uh, saved and we have that uh, that hope that's within us. And it's important to us. We ought to be able to articulate what that means to us at any given time. And it, yeah, I agree with you. There's several different uh, venues you can do it on a large scale. You can do it planned, like a mission trip, or you can mm-hmm. do it on a, on a scheduled night of door-to-door uh, visitation. However you want to do it. But that opportunities that God places in our life mm-hmm. to be of influence for Him, man, you'd be surprised how many people. Are looking for hope. Yeah. Are looking for some good news. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. are desperate to hear. Man, life is it's got to be better than this. Yeah. Well, I got it is better. <laughs> there is a better way, and that's our opportunity and our responsibility to then share the gospel with. Yeah. Them. And uh, that reference that Alan mentioned was Acts five, which is one of my favorite stories about. You know, the apostles are sharing the gospel, and the Pharisees and the, the, <clears throat> the overseers of the Jewish, you know, s- sector kind of come together and like, you know, we've got to do something about this. They're going to ruin all this for us. Um, you know, Rome's going to see this. They're going to come down on us. And uh, Gamaliel comes in and he gives advice. He's like, listen, if this isn't of God, it's going to end. But if it is, you might find yourself against this. And when we look at, you know, um, which this week also we had um, at, at World Changers. That's a program. So let me kind of, World Changers is a program that maybe some people are familiar with. But it's been going on for a long time. It's a. It used to be owned by Lifeway, and it's not anymore. But basically, it's in different cities throughout the country, where churches will go, come together to uh, build roofs, you know, fix roofs, build porches, paint walls, and in the midst of being able to do good works for our neighbors, which we'll talk about that. What a quote! Um, doing good works for our neighbors, we have opportunities to go out and pray with people share the gospel, and just let people understand what we represent that week. And most of the communities, and I've been twice now, they already know who we are before we show up. 
and they know what we represent, and uh, that, that's what World Changers is, and that's where we were. This last week, we went to Huntington, or as they say, say it there, Huntington, uh, West Virginia. I guess I learned I pronounce it wrong, um, but Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, we've got some stories um, to definitely talk about. But before we even get into that, one more scripture that I, I, I really feel like we need to mention, because when you talk about the Great Commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28, you know, people are going to follow up with Acts chapter 1, verse 8 as well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. So these were specific um, instructions for the apostles that they would meet, uh, they would go to Jerusalem, they would finish out Judea, they would go into Samaria, Philip would go there, and then you see the ends of the earth, which that's us in this room, but as they fulfilled this, it wasn't like, here, do this task and it's completed, no, then you look back at Matthew 28, when the disciples were taught, go out, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And so the things that they taught were the continuation of sharing and spreading the gospel and seeing people discipled. So in Acts 1-8, we're still doing that today. We are on the last part of it. We're, we're trying to get it to the ends of the earth. And uh, so this last week, and we'll, we'll kind of have some brief stories to tell, and we'll talk about the importance of evangelism. Um, but man, this is kind of like a lighter side to this. I, 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 so this last week, my crew, right? One day we all were just sitting there and they were like talking about the Bible and talking about things. And I was just like, our church does a podcast. And they're like, what? We love podcasts. And so I was like, oh, well, here, let me send you guys a link. So some of them, they've already listened to it. They've been listening to some of them. So, you know, I, I told them, it's like, I'll give you guys a shout out. So Connor, Caleb, uh, let's see. We got Steven, Eli, Jake, Hannah, Jordan, Lauren, Nora, and Rob, he was our crew chief. If, if you guys are listening to this, I just want to say hey, and I miss you guys. God bless you guys. Yeah, we had a fun week. Josh and Grant also have crew experiences they'll talk about. But, uh, man, let, let's kind of recap on this last week. Let's share some God moments. Who who wants to go first? Well, I'll, I'll share something that I thought was really interesting. So we, we got there Saturday. We set up. You um and then, you know, it's funny because the way the dynamic of the world changers kind of set up is, is that you have, you know, a crew chief, if you will, which is in charge of the construction and the job site side. And then you have a crew encourager, which is, you know, therefore the kids and to go with them and to, you know, drive the motion, keep so that crew chief can focus on his. The encourager is there for the rest of the, like, you know, the youth and organization and setting up. You have a driver that, you know, gets you to and from the site. And then you have, you know, the kids. Well, then they're tasked different assignments. You know, you have your brake master, which calls the brakes. And you have a medic and stuff. So there's a lot of different interesting dynamics of it. And um, when you first meet your crew, it's funny because there's isolation. You know, there's they sit in by themselves. You can see which church is with who because mm-hmm. they're paired up and there they sit, you know. Yep. And it's, you know, no inner communication if you will and then uh sunday because it is a seven-day trip sunday we got to go to church with them and then after we go to our with our church that was sponsoring us and feeding us for the week and then after services you go by the site um and we went by the our site and there was a um, gentleman walking down the road and uh making gestures and using vulgar language pretty 
vocally, loudly. They like, identified him as a drug head at yes, first. That's how they identified him. And uh, that's a nice way to put it. Yes. And um, you know, the the homeowner was not there, but his wife was, and um, they warned us about him. And they said, you know, you, you watch for him, you know, and they're like, the best thing you can do is kind of ignore him, you know. So then, I expressed to my crew, I was like, you know, if we see him coming down the street, you know, just, you know, if you, if you make eyesight, you know, don't be awkward about it, but you know, just hi, how you doing? And don't draw any attention to him. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, our very first day of the build, um, a group of our girls from our crew went down two doors down and was witnessing to the homeowner there. And I seen him coming down the road. And I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is it, you know? And I was like, so, you know, Lord, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, you know? And let's watch over us, you know? And, yeah. Uh, I was kept an eye on the girls and I was very distracted because I was watching them and they were two doors down and he came and he sat with them. Um, just to shorten the story, when we left, I seen that expression outburst again but it was because he knew that the end has come and he told the whole crew he's like i love you he couldn't speak very well he was not a drug addict he had an auto accident he was hit by a car or truck and it messed him up and uh but he was outbursting with some gestures and some language but he knew we were leaving and uh his name's mike Sorry, I'm going to get tore up over this, but th <laughs> when we first found out his name, we asked him his name, and uh, he he said, uh, basically, you know, white man, that was it, and then uh, one of the, the county in the city was out there, and they said his name's John, and uh, from one of the neighbors that were witnessing, we found out that his name was actually Mike, and her son and him grew up in school together before his accident she knew him and she's like his name is mike so once we found out his name we started calling him by his name and the response was like when we thought it was john and they told us it was john we would talk to him and nothing who's john <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then once we associated his name you know um he responded to it. Yeah. And uh, one of um, Emily on our crew, she asked him, she's like, you know, she said, uh, Mike, do you, you know Jesus? And uh, like I said, his speech was very poor. And he had a bracelet and he point to his bracelet and then he point to his heart. And he says, I, I know, I know, you know. And um, that was one of the moments that I stood back and I just looked, you know. And it's like when at that moment you can see you know the work of god yeah because the, the from day 1 to day 7 it was definitely you know and i mean even we as a crew we sat there and talked because he was he hung out with us i mean he spent probably an hour if not more every single day with our crew on the site he's just sitting there talking to different ones and um but we all judged him right off the go you know like you know and we were and I was, you know, telling my crew, you know, be leery of this guy, yeah. be leery of this individual. And then uh, by the end of it, it was like, you know, God revealed to me, like, you know, you, you're too quick to judge the outside. Yeah. And you don't know the inside. 
and seeing that change in him and even the community because like our build site the first day that we were there we had maybe five people that um frequenting the street just walking by the time we left um friday was our last day on the build site and um we we had probably about 15 walkers that you know and uh you know shout out to my crew because they um they loved on everybody that came down the street we would have lunch and whatever was left over they were divvying out and i mean if you were within eyesight of them you were getting some sort of food bought water bottle or something you were getting yeah and uh that's ultimately what it's about is sharing that love yeah you know because that's what i told the the homeowner because i you know as a crew chief which was what, what my role was we can't leave the site and uh sometimes you look at the kids and you get the stories of them coming back and telling you like man i want to go but there's just that same need yeah is right there on the site and you know we 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 represent Christ while we're there, but that's the thing is that when I mean for the crew and the homeowner alike, you know the crew made mention they're like I thought it was going to be a lot harder than what it was, and they thought they would have rejection, but the form of their rejection that they received, yeah, was in just a no or I'd not I I believe not within you know an assault or an attack to yeah. them yeah. So, it, I mean, it, this week was this week was very exciting. Um, there's a lot of growth and uh, a lot of learning, you know, for myself as well as the crew. I mean, our last day as we exited, we had our last crew chat. And, uh, you know, you, you really get to just kind of break down the past week, what you've experienced and what you've grown from. And, I mean, the biggest takeaway that I, that I took away from it is, is that um, all of us, have the sin all of us are capable yeah of quickly and i and me personally i was too quick to judge because a lot of them that would come up there would be an instant judgment almost instantly but yeah. none of them chose that yeah and uh another exciting thing was one of our students which is josh's daughter ella yes she put her faith in christ for the first time this last week and so did uh one of our other students her name's kaylee and then another girl from another church. Um, so that was also a good experience. And, I, I, man, I'll try to keep this short. My, my experience uh, this last week was I showed up as I, I was told that I, I'm supposed to be a crew encourager. So, like, I'm the one that's supposed to be encouraging kids. But as of Saturday morning when our trip started, I wasn't. I was going to be put on another team as a driver, which eventually would become Grant. We'll get to that. Um, Grant loved it, didn't you? <laughs> so on our way to Huntington all of a sudden you know I'm kind of like man kind of disappointed but I come to the point where I'm like you know God if this is what's supposed to happen your will be done I'll accept this well then within two hours of coming to Huntington we really stop at our first gas station and and uh Tammy and Robert they get out and they're like hey you're a crew encourager now so I was like all right God this is working out and then some other things got shifted around, but by the time, you know, we got there, I was a crew encourager for a team, and, um, and they were awesome. But the thing about my group, though, and where we were was, no, at first they told us it was a safe neighborhood, but come to find out, like, our street was probably the worst street in the whole area, um, just because... Like, a lot of people, even from, like, where Grant was and Josh were, they would come to ours just to get their drugs. 
and there was a drug house and a prostitution house. And so, you know, the first day we kind of were able to like talk to a lot of people on our street, even like the homeowners of those homes, like they spoke to us and stuff. But then we really started to notice a lot of uh, activity and our kids were starting to get super nervous. So we, you know, worked a lot, but our kids would go out and we had another, we had a 19 year old in our group. So he was another adult. And so they would kind of go with him too. And man, I was so proud of them because they would pray with anyone who would pray. They would talk to the gospel. Somebody would give them time. I took one boy and we went and talked to this guy who openly told me, he's like, I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, okay. And we got to pray with him and talk to him about church. And, but you know, the advice we got the first two days was you, you all don't need to be here. Uh, you know, this is not a good place. This is not a great place. And so, you know, we kept our heads down and we worked and we witnessed and, you know, we covered a lot of miles on our block, but then come, I believe it was, um, Tuesday, you know, we got to go meet the neighbor across the street and we got to help her and she said she was a believer. And so I'll tell this little detail. Wednesday night, a shooting took place in front of the house we worked at. And apparently this was very normal. Um, there were two shooters. One wasn't caught. Um, and the lady that I, that was shot, she's still in the hospital and the guy that shot her's in the hospital. And then there was another shooter that wasn't identified. Um, but what happened was, you know, that homeowner literally Tuesday, right? So Tuesday or Wednesday morning, we like go to our neighbor's house and her name is Miss Sullivan. And if there was ever a slim chance that she ever listened to this, Hey, Miss Sullivan, we love you. She, we asked her, you know, like, can we pray for you? And she was like, yes, please pray for safety because this place is dangerous. Like there are bad things that happen here. And she's like, I'm scared. It's just me and my cats. And so we got to pray with her. And then literally that night, the shooting took place in front of her house. And then we come back the next day and, you know, we had to get the all clear because we're not going to take kids into an area. We get the all clear and everyone thinks we're crazy for coming back. But what I told the kid was the kids is all these people think we're crazy for coming back. But the the power and the the symbol of Jesus Christ is being spread this day more than ever because everybody's like, why are they coming back? Oh, well, that's the church. They're coming back to finish their work. So praise be to God for that. But we're working, and, you know, all of a sudden, Miss Sullivan comes out of her house with sunglasses on, and I'm kind of like, you know, she's never come over to us. And so I meet her halfway in the street, and she's weeping. And she just, like, grabbed a hold of me. And, you know, I was hugging her, trying to comfort her. And the first thing that came out of her mouth was, God answers prayers, I believe. God answers prayers, I believe. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about this. And so she explained the shooting and everything that took place. Literally in front of her house, no damage, no bullets went through her house. Nothing touched her property at all. So she gathers all our kids together, and she starts talking about how God answers prayers, and he answered our prayers for her. And so literally, without us even getting to say words to her, she's like, I believe in this stuff. I believe, I believe, I believe. And it was really encouraging. And we actually got to pray with her again. But what was tough about it was, you know, the, so the next two days after the shooting, some other activities really took place where uh, our kids felt really unsafe. And we actually had to pull them off early one day just because of some movement and some things that took place. Literally, 
you know, right in front of us. And for our listeners, uh, if you take kids that, man, they've never experienced an atmosphere like that and you put them in it, it's going to affect them. Um, it affected me. And, you know, when you see people running around with guns and, you know, gang violence and things, I mean, it, it really kind of changes you. But what I thought was crazy is, you know, we had two girls that they just started crying. And so, of course, I'm the encourager, so I come into it, and I'm like, you know, what's wrong? Let's talk about it. And the two things that they were crying over was, one, there were kids in that home where all the guns were, and number two, they did not understand why people would live such a way. And so I said, guys, you've come face-to-face this week with the reality of brokenness and sin. This is what sin has done to our world and to people and, I mean, they got emotional about it, but I was like, you know, if God sent them here, sent all of us here to realize the brokenness and the realness of sin, then so be it. And so, you know, we were advised after that day we had to leave early, you know, hey, y'all just get your job done, you'll go somewhere else. And, of course, we got our job done, but we couldn't help but still go pray with people and talk to people. And we did it in a safe way. Um, but, you know... Coming back to all this, if I had a takeaway, um, man, church is easy. Sunday school is easy. Small groups are easy. Like sitting in this room talking about the podcast, this is easy. But if you really want your faith to be challenged and you want to see the reality and realness of what the apostles in the early church went through... Go somewhere where it's broken. And it's kind of like I told someone today, I was very excited to come back to church, yes. But as much as I love being here, I now know what it feels like to be out there in a broken community where your life's in danger. And it's not that I've I've went into communities, I've went and knocked on doors, I've went and done this, but man, I went to probably the most broken place. I mean, I got to meet people on drugs we got to try to help them. I had a guy approach me try, asking me for a gun to go do whatever he wanted. And it was intense. But after meeting all of these people and hearing their stories and seeing the effects of sin, coming back here, I feel like I'm more serious about evangelism than I ever have been. Because when you talk about the spiritual gifts, which we have, you know, I, I'm not called to be an evangelist. Now, as someone who gets to work in the church and feels led, led to shepherd one day, I'll do like Timothy. I'll do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because we've been commissioned to. But my heart and my attention now has shown me, like, there's a lot of work to be done in this congregation, but there's a lot of work to be done out in the community as well. And we can't focus on one and neglect the other. You can't focus on the church and neglect the community because you're not fulfilling the commission. You can't just go focus on the community and neglect the church because now we're neglecting that we've been charged to disciple people. And so one thing, and I've talked about this before, is you know being able to go to seminary and college and all this stuff's great. Like The knowledge is amazing, but I lacked an experience. And so this week, I, I feel like the experience I got to partake in has changed, changed my heart and my mind on the way that we should do ministry the rest of our days. And, you know, a lot of the adults, me and Josh, we talked to our pastor this morning, you know, we're already chomping at the bits, throwing up ideas of how we can go ahead and get out in the community through 
handing out ice cream, popsicles, groceries, going door to door, having a block party, doing groceries. And this is stuff our church has been trying to figure out here recently, lately. But now it's kind of like we've got a group in our congregation of people who went to World Changers and people who didn't who are like, there's a need. And so I think going somewhere else taught me the reality of what needs to go on here. And, man, God just, I'm telling you, it was a humbling experience. Kind of like, you know, my fiance, she asked me this morning, she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm just very aware, and I'm watching things today. And she's like, wow, what's wrong? I was like, I just have a lot on my mind. Um, I experienced a lot this week. And God's trying to grow me in this moment where there are people that, like Miss Sullivan, that live in the midst of, violence and she has no one and we were sent to pray for her and that spoke to her we were able to build a ramp for a woman in a a wheelchair that's been in the hospital for the last 10 days and now we come friday morning and we find out thursday night she got sent home and she got to use a ramp for the first time and what are the odds that the ramp part of it was completed enough for her to use it um, we do a devotion one day talking about how God provides, and then we meet people that don't have food, and they're wanting food, and here we are with bags of food. And this week, our, our speaker, Taylor, he preached basically a lot in the book of Acts, and I just thought, this is a picture of what Paul and them were trying to establish in the early church, not just coming to a million-dollar building, Not just doing this here or having this program, but getting people together to go out. And it's even like when the first deacons, right? They were brought together to help people that were hungry. Stephen and them, not only did they do a lot in the church, but they went out to help feed these food or feed these people food. And and I'm going to pass it to Grant here in a second, but you know, if you've never gotten out of the pew that you sit in every Sunday, I challenge you to. Because until you're willing to get uncomfortable, you'll never grow in your faith. And you'll never truly view the Great Commission as we're supposed to. And this last week, I mean, it it just, our group went through a lot, but I'm so glad God put us through it. So, Me? Yeah. All righty. So, Hunter kind of mentioned about the uh, driving situation. So, we're going down the road, and uh, Tammy, one of our leaders... Uh, she uh, asked me, she's like, hey, are you on the church insurance? Uh, and I was like, yeah, why? She's like, I'll get back with you here in a few minutes. So about five minutes passes by, she looks back, she's like, you're driving your crew this week. Okay, uh, so the nervous uh, starts. Start getting super nervous all week. Uh, then I find out I'm on a crew. Because uh, a uh, world change, I don't know if y'all said it, but uh, if you're under the age of 18, uh, world changes requires at least two people per church, if not more, be together. So I'm 21, so I'm the only person from Watson's uh, and Hunter, right? You're the only yeah, person. I was completely by myself. <laughs> so this is already like super weird, which I'm not an awkward person. At least I don't think I'm a people person. I can get along with. Me either. And I can talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll talk to anybody. So we get to going. I tell the kids, I told our church, I was like, I'm going to mess around with these people. So I tell them in our little crew chat before we uh, start the week off, I was like, hey, I didn't volunteer to drive. Um, they're making me drive. So we get in the van to go to the church that sponsored us throughout the week for food. And I tell them, hey, 
This is his second. Uh, I just got my license back last week for my second <laughs> of uh, reckless driving. So I'm sorry in advance. Tell your parents you love them if you don't make it through the week. <laughs> These kids start flipping out. Oh, it was awesome. So uh, throughout the week, uh, we got to uh, we get to the homeowner. We get to meet him. Uh, shout out to Big C, Mr. Hughes, uh, Little Charles. Um, this man was awesome. Uh, we just literally got done texting about 30 minutes before we started this podcast. But um, when we get there. He starts sharing uh, a lot about his life right out of the gate. And you can already tell. Uh, I'm going to send this to him. So hopefully I don't tell any personal details, uh, Big C, but I'm going to let it fly. But um, he starts sharing that really in the neighborhood that he lives in, nobody, there's no foot traffic. Unless it's family or his neighbor, nobody shows up. So he's already pouring his heart out. You know, he ain't got to talk to nobody. I don't know how long. So he's just started talking conversation. And that Sunday... Uh, we didn't get to see him because uh, he had gone on somewhere. But he told us Monday that that Sunday, July was it the eleventh, that uh, was a year uh, a year ago. That date he buried his mother, and on that same date, uh, back in '86, his brother was murdered at the age of 31. And I, if I'm not mistaken, if I have my facts right, six years after his brother uh, was murdered at the age of 31, his other brother at the age of 31 uh, passed away. Uh, something tragic, and um, uh, I'm not I'm not sure about his sister. Uh, he didn't really emphasize on that. Uh, but then he had a couple of people that he knew, like every day did life with, that died on the Marshall uh, plane crash. If you're familiar with uh, Huntington and that Marshall plane crash, so this man right out of the gate is sharing his hurt, and so uh, I'm not with anybody from our church. So God, I was like, God, what am, who am I going to pour into? So I'm praying all all uh, Sunday and going rolling into Monday, and uh, for some reason, me Big C just started calling, we just spark like that relationship. So every day, uh, our church would bring food, and I would uh, make a point to go ask Big C what he wanted to eat uh, if he wanted any food. So every day, I'm taking him lunch, and uh, we start sharing a little bit. Uh, he tells me that he's been uh, he served 16 to 19 years in federal prison. Uh, he just got out in 2012. He just came home at that time. And um, he just starts sharing his life. We start talking about life, about music and stuff. And then uh, I remember one of our devotions with the church on a, I want to say it was Thursday night. Uh, the Lord was just pressing me. Because back home, uh, he said that he was saved. He got his life in Christ in prison. I know back here in Massaville, uh, we have a couple of people that we know and we're all friends with, uh, Jake Evans and other people that go to uh, the prisons and they preach uh, the, the word of faith, God. It's all about you. You can do this work-based salvation. So I was curious to know if that happened up there where he was at. And it was just itching at me, itching at me. And I never had the time to actually sit yeah. down and, like, you know, press, if you will, if that's the right word, about what really happened. So it was eating me alive. So Thursday night, I asked prayer for the, uh, from the church, uh, the, the group, like, I'm, I don't care if I, whatever it takes, I'm going to, you know, have a conversation with them. And uh, the porch that we did was tongue and groove, and it wasn't treated, so we had to paint it. So there was no way to get in the house to talk. And I'm getting discouraged right out of the gate. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to talk to him. And then he yells at me to come from the back door to come in. And so we're talking. I'm getting some water. And I was like, hey, you hungry? He's like, yeah, come in here. And we'll, we'll chit-chat while we eat. I want to talk to you. I'm about to get tore up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, here it is. And I was I was praying. I was like, I still didn't know necessarily what I was going to receive out of this week. You know, 
I go expecting something. God, I want to learn this this week. And I didn't really know. And this whole week, uh, backtrack a little bit, as we're uh, taking up this porch, uh, I told him, I was like, hey, Big C, uh, all your stuff looks like it's ward down. Uh, it's falling apart. How about this? We're going to scrap all your furniture. We're going to take away all your shelving. We're going to take away. We're going to trash it all. I'm going to go out of my way. I know I'm not patting myself on the back by any means. It's just God laid it on my heart to do it. And we're going to refurnish your whole porch. And some of the leaders uh, of my crew helped as well. And we got a bunch of new plants. Like We made this big seas porch look amazing. Uh, glory to God for that. So we go in there. And uh, I tell them, hey, we've been searching all over town. We had to go through all the way to Ohio, which is only about 15, 20 minutes outside of Huntington, to get your furniture. We've got it. And he was like, just c- c- come sit down for a minute. And Lord's like, here's your time. You've been serving him all week. Now here's your time that you've been asking for. And basically, <laughs> don't don't let it slip. So I was like, okay. And like I said, I'm a people person. And I can strike up a conversation. But for some reason, I was nervous, Rick. Uh, so... We sit down, and he starts, he's right out of the gate, he's pouring out his heart. And he was talking, we was talking about music, we was talking about uh, his family, we was talking about kids, he's got great grandkids, great nephews, and he's just, he's eating up the company. So I was just letting him talk, I was sitting there, before you know it, 30 minutes rolls by, half an hour rolls by, and uh, I finally asked him, I was like, Big C, I said, I know you say you're a believer, I was like, can you, can you tell me that? And he turns around. He was like, I have no issue telling you about the goodness of God and what he's done for me. So I was like, all right, then, let's hear it. So we start walking through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and how good John 6 tells you you have to be drawn and everything is just lining up. And I was like, all right, he's solid. He, he knows his stuff. But he was telling me uh, in prison, it's the coolest thing. This dude can sing. And uh, he showed me YouTube videos when he came home. And uh, when we got, he, he was telling me that uh, when he first got arrested, God allowed him to start a choir. When he got saved, he started a choir and he started singing. And about uh, a couple, about five or six years, he transferred to another prison, started another choir, starts singing that people saved, transfers to another one, starts another choir. So everywhere God's using him to uh, doing that, people are getting saved. So when he comes home, uh, they call him, he says, funerals back there, at, back in Huntington, they call him home goings. He said right out of the gate, he sung at 20 of them in three months. And all through death, he's seen more death than probably I would ever like to see in my life. Um, through 16, 20 years of however long he was in uh, jail for, through all that hurt, uh, he has nobody really except family pots by. All he could talk about was how good the Lord was to him. And that goes to show, you know, I sit here and I was fussing about having to drive. I was fussing how hot it is. It hit 100, I think, 100 degrees, if not more, twice that week. And just complaining and complaining. I'm like, here's this man that has no one, uh, has had a hard, hard life than I ever wanted to imagine. And the only thing he could talk about was the goodness of God. And uh, we exchanged. We, we became friends on Facebook. And the moment uh, we went to play at a community center, went to play ball, uh, before we went back to the school, some of uh, the crew guys, with the, uh, the guys from the crew, he's messaging me. Uh, we won't even go on five minutes. Hey, please come back. I already missed having conversations with you. And I, we're sitting there conversating. And uh, he talked about every morning uh, when he'd open the door, I'm yelling at him. Hey, Big C. He said that impression, just that acknowledgement that uh, not just me, every every kid. I'm not just saying me, but I'm the only one here speaking on behalf of the crew. We uh, lifted him up. It, we were there to serve him. 
and I guess if anything, I learned a couple of things. Uh, people's always going to have it harder than you. Uh, God's blessed us more. I know all of us. God's good. And uh, the thing I took home with me is, uh, you know, I start. I think about uh, the foot washing and how uh, it's kind of a weird analogy, but just the, the servant, the servant heart, and just uh, I think what the Lord's really pushing on me is maybe once a month, whether it's somebody here at the chapel or somewhere in the community, just focus on serving them wherever their needs are. Uh, I'm saying it publicly, so uh, you three and uh, <laughs> whoever listens to the podcast, keep me accountable. But, you know, this week was nevertheless just awesome. And, and, God. and that's a challenge that, like, everyone in this church should do. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm just being honest, is taking time out to serve someone else. And, you know, we're looking at that, but, you know, it's one of those things that we've got to be sensitive to the opportunities around us. It's like, you know, the quote that Taylor, our speaker, used this week from Martin Luther was, um, God doesn't need our good works, our neighbors do. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard that. And I was like, dang. I was like, but wait a second, we glorify God through our works. And while that's true, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our good. He could do everything on his own. And so if he doesn't need our good works, well, then who does? Our neighbors, our communities. And, you know, Grant, I think it's one of those things, too, what you were talking about when your moment, right, to go forward. There's a sensitivity that we should pray for and look for in our everyday lives. Um, and, I mean, it's even like another example this week. Our kids, you know, they worked a long day, weren't being able to evangelize. And so we just sent them, we sent them a different direction because um, there's a women's health center behind us. And so we sent them another way. And so they're out and they're praying. You know, they got to talk to some people. And me and my crew chief, you know, he really needed some help this week. And so me and him are sitting there and I tried to be a servant to him as well. And here comes this little old lady walking towards us. And Rob doesn't even know what's on my heart and how I've been praying for an opportunity. And Rob looks at me and he says, it's your turn, big boy. And I thought, all right, you know, this is the time to uh, put my big boy pants on and go over here and talk to someone about, not about me, but about the Lord. And so she's going to the bus stop. And so I'm like, this is perfect. So I literally walk over there and, you know, I talked to her for a little bit and Miss Bledsoe, she's a good woman. And so we're sitting there talking, and we're talking about church, right? And she goes, um, and you know, she works. She comes to this bus stop once a week, and she's kind of she's kind of scared because remember our street was a little interesting. And you know, we're sitting there talking about church, and she's like, "Yeah, I used to go." And she's like, "I meant to get baptized a long time ago, and I didn't." So of course, that's a red flag to me. I'm like, "Okay, let's." Let's get to this. And so we're working our way from the outside in, which is a way a lot of people train when you talk to someone. Start out here and get in here. And so we talk about that, and she keeps bringing up the bus stop because I know she's nervous, and she's like, why are you talking to me about all this? And so I just straight up I'm said, so do you believe in Jesus Christ? And she kind of paused, and she said, well, that's the Son of God. I do believe in the Son of God. And she sat there, and then she looked at me, and she said, well, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. He, he's changed my life forever. And so we got to talk about, you know, what he did on the cross. And then her bus came. And so I got to help her out in that area. 
But it's like this, in that moment, in, in Grant's moment, and even for a lot of people at World Changers and even people here, if we're not willing to be sensitive to the opportunities around us, then we'll never truly be able to f- fill the commission out. And it's even like we came home yesterday. And, you know, when we come home, it's like, all right, we're all back home. Great, great, great. And we all have a fire within us to do more witnessing and evangelizing our community through good works and through, you know, oral conversations. But it's like, you know, I walk out my front door. I'm going to talk to my dad because I haven't seen him yet. And as I'm turning left, I see the neighbor pulling his driveway and getting ready to get out and, and get his mail. So usually what I would do was I would keep continue on my business but I took one step, and it's like something said stop. And I was like, and I started thinking, so this is what it means. You don't just stop there. You bring it home. And I look, I turn around, and we've talked to him a couple times, but I, I turn around, and, uh, you know, he's in the process of getting his mail, but something that I, I, I rarely do um, is I intentionally... I intentionally wait for him to cross the street and he comes over and, you know, he smiles and I just, I don't even know his name. I said, Hey, how you doing today, sir? And, you know, he's telling me he's doing good and doing this. And, you know, then he got his mail and went back and it's almost like the Lord just reminded me the lessons I learned at world changers. Here's your opportunity. Be sensitive because every day he comes over the mailbox could be one more conversation to get to that question. So what do you believe in? Who who is Jesus to you? And I don't know about you all, but even talking to Miss Bledsoe, after I got the question out, you know, hey, you know, what do you think about Jesus? What do you what do you believe? Anytime I've been able to talk to someone about Jesus, but this moment specifically, it was exciting. We had a little boy this week in somebody's group that he got to share the gospel for the first time, and they said that he was like so excited, like ecstatic, a, ecstatic like a kid at Christmas, because he got to share the gospel with somebody. And I'm just sitting there thinking, if Grant wouldn't have been sensitive in that moment that literally God just like said, here you go, let me just like open this door for you and send you in, he could have missed out on it completely. And here we are. And this is where it's going to turn into a group conversation. If our church, in any church, is not willing to be sensitive to the opportunities that are literally lying behind our church, how can we truly become the church that Jesus Christ wants us to be? And so, guys, as we look at, and we're going to talk specifically about our church, I mean, literally looking out this window, we can see houses. Guys, if we don't take the opportunity to evangelize and live out the Great Commission and also help people and give them a cup of water in the name of Jesus if we have to, be the you know the good Samaritan, right? That helps somebody that maybe we didn't like. Guys, if a church is not willing to live that out, then what kind of church is that? What what's wrong with that picture? So when we talk about, I've been chomping at the bits. I've been being a good boy and, and keeping my mouth closed and listening. <laughs> because, oh, I've been waiting to go because listen. When, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about spreading the good news. When we talk about uh, our good works. As as God has commissioned us, we should do that at our at our, at our uh, local body, 
and as uh, you guys have, have been out and, and God bless you for going and and uh, we know that that's a part of the commission of making disciples getting folks in a position where they can uh, have freedom to learn and Josh mentioned the kids that were they were reluctant to open up to one another mm-hmm. you know re- reluctant to talk to uh, Christians that they didn't know right. much less share their faith with a complete stranger so this activity is is I think it's very valuable when it comes to making disciples but when it comes to evangelism and it comes to that sensitivity to the holy spirit man alive you want to talk about a a paramount uh, uh factor when it comes to having an impact on your community just believers being number one clean vessels living lives that are glorifying god mm-hmm. uh, grant grant talked about you know n- not seeking recognition having a meek humble spirit a clean vessel uh, that's ready to be used and give god the credit for it uh those opportunities are going to come around frequently yeah. and the the ability to listen to and hear and understand the leadership of the holy spirit my love yeah God's going to bless that. Yeah. And, and, and here as human beings, the problem comes from being someone who's been through that process. As a human, we tend to get discouraged when we don't see that instant gratification and instant results. But what I've come to learn is you be patient. You trust God. You understand that the scripture says that they polish old, polish water. God's the one that gives the increase. Yeah. And we understand that all things happen in his will and in his timing. Our responsibility is not yeah. to save them. That's right. It's, it's to do the work. Yes. He'll do the saving. And yep. a lot of people may have done, just like me, maybe you've done evangelism, and I'll describe it as a scripted area, a scripted opportunity. So it's almost like you're working for something that's been planned, kind of like someone who writes a script for something, this, all the little details. And I've been in ministry, teenage ministry, where it's almost scripted opportunities of like, this is what you do, get them to come to this, and we share Jesus with them. And that's kind of the process. But you want to experience real, raw evangelism, go somewhere where it's not scripted. The only thing about World Changers that's scripted is, here's your address, here's your project, and here's who's going to feed you. Go get it. The evangelism part is on you. And it's like, you know, even this week there was an opportunity where this guy was crossing the street, and I told my kids, because as much as, you know, you want to talk to people, it's like, you know, I was able to pray and talk to a few people. You also got to, you can't, like, hog them all, because you have a bunch of hungry teenagers around you. And so, you know, here's here's a guy walking right by our house, and I said, guys, here's a great opportunity for evangelism. And they all just kind of watch him walk by, and then they turn back, and they're like, Hunter, why didn't you go talk to him? And I was like, okay, let's put this on me. Well, lo and behold, as he crossed our house... He went into the house that we're not supposed to go in, and some things happened. So I'm kind of happy maybe God protected our kids from going over there to talk to him because it, it, was, a little, it was a little weird. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been a pro- across from a prostitution house, but when people are to the point where they're so broken that they're doing uh, jobs like that, it, it doesn't matter if it's in or outside of the house. And so you really have to be sensitive to what's mm-hmm. taking place, um, especially if you have teenagers around. 
Um, you don't want to see what's going on. You just want to know that it's, you know, what's going on over there. And he ended up going in that house and, it, you know, we didn't need to go over there anyway is what I'm saying. But it's kind of like, you know, in Colossians 4, Paul said, pray for me that God would op- uh, uh, open up opportunities for me to share the gospel with clarity for which I am in prison for. Um, and I kind of paraphrase that. But it's like this. Jeff said, our, pa- our associate pastor Jeff, me and him were talking this morning. And he said, so many people put pressure on themselves to get it out. And by that, he is talking about like the gospel. Everybody's putting pressure on themselves to do this or do that. Or they're worrying about, you know, world world changers, they do like a tally sheet for what was accomplished that day. Some people want the numbers. Some people want this. And Jeff put it clearly in cl- like plain this morning. He said, man, it's just about getting to know people. Because if you go up to someone and you cover the gospel A, B, C, D, but you don't even know what their name is, like, that's great. I mean, they're going to hear Jesus, but think about how Jesus did it himself. He knew people. He got to know people. He went to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus put his faith in Jesus. And Jeff said it plain and clear. And that's where, like, this week, I mean, I noticed a lot of our own kids, which Josh, you know, he had, like, Emily and his daughter Ella, and I thought about some of our other ones. Before we went, they all they kind of had this pressure built on themselves of, like, like an anxiety of, like, if I don't do this right, I'm going to mess it all up and do this. But hearing their stories about even, like, Mike, who came and stayed with you guys, they just got to know the guy. Yeah. And then the question came up, what do you know about Jesus? And he answered, and that's where even with Miss Sullivan or this guy named Bo that we met in a back alley, and uh, he's he just was like, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a veteran, uh, I did this in Vietnam, and we thanked him for his service. But then, you know, he was just telling us this. He told us about his family owned a church in Kentucky in the backwoods, and somebody came to close it down, and they had like a family feud. And I'm like, man, this is like Hatfield and McCoy going on right here. And at the end of it all, you know, I just kind of asked him, I was like, you know, what can we pray for? And he goes, you pray that them people won't take my family's church away. And, you know, he was a character. He used some choice words. And I thought, okay, we'll pray for that. And then he kind of was getting ready to walk off. I said, wait a second. I said, can we pray for you now? And he goes, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, yeah, I guess so. You can pray for me now. And it's like, we talked about church. We talked about life. We talked about God. But us asking him to pray mm-hmm. caught him off guard. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this week is some of my kids, they would come back and be like, well, we really didn't get to the Jesus point, but we did get to pray with them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, don't worry exactly. about not exactly. what and you we, didn't do. We offer lots of tools. I mean, as a church, as a as part of uh, uh, the discipleship process, uh, we had sharing Jesus without fear, which is a very good program when you go through the ABCDs and the, the, maybe having a, a, a scripted game plan going into uh, an evangelism uh, event or, or, or a witnessing if you're intentionally going to somebody's house it's good but there again you can take that and say oh man i, I missed this step and i didn't go to button four you're making it about you, you. overcomplicated yes, yes. And, and understand that simple act of obedience yeah you're making them water muddy that's exactly right that simple act of obedience yeah. and, and and having that sensitivity meter on high where i can detect the spirit and follow its leadership yeah. is irreplaceable. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things for me, like this whole, you know, this is as well as my second year, the first year, um, I got kind of thrown into it, which was actually two years ago that I went, um, I went on one build with the church here 
and then I went. But that was the first time I ever had to like interacted with kids as far as on a build site. And they would cut something, I would recut it. They'd measure something, I'd remeasure. I was like standing over there. I was micromanaging children building a project. And I had two years after that to work on more projects with our church here locally and as well as reflect. And that's one of the things like weeks before in prayer over it, I had before I had left, I it was not going to be anything about the deck. And that was the emphasis from the day one. As soon as I showed up on site, that's what I told the kids. I says, the deck will get built. The ramp will get built. It'll be semi-square. And it, it, it might be, and it might not be. But the thing is, is that I told my kids, I says, you will evangelize. Because, yes, this is a part of it, but this is a small part. And exactly. if this part of it does not get completed, exactly. I guarantee you that the people here that put all this together will show up, two or three guys, and in a half a day, they'll knock out the rest of the labor work. On the flip side of that. The deck's beautiful. The neighborhood was not evangelized. Chances are a lot slimmer that they're going to come here in a group and knock on these doors. I said, so what you guys' responsibility is, is to knock on these doors. I says, I want everybody. I says, and that's what I told them from day one. I want everybody to know who you guys are and why you're there. That's exactly right. And uh, because the deck will get built. Yeah. Even if we're gone, the deck will be built. The second thing is, is I pushed my kids. I'm like, I do this every day. You guys are building this deck. And the homeowner was kind of like, you know, that doesn't look that straight. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> Getting your money's worth. <laughs> yeah. But you know the thing about it? And then one of the kids, one of the kids made a comment to me and they're like, well, he seems kind of mad. And I says, right now he might be. I says, but the thing about it is a year from now, he'll be sitting there looking at it. If this thing was perfect, flawless, no error, you look at it, you take it, you take it for, you know, gratitude. Mm-hmm. You look down it and you see that crooked cut, especially on the one piece that we were talking about. I was like, because it was a 20 minute ordeal about the whole thing of whether it was staying or going. I was like, you know, it'll make him smile because that's he's going to remember that moment when we all of us all, you know, nine of us are standing around it debating whether we're going to. It's not about the deck. It's not about the build. Yeah. It's not about anything except for even with the homeowner. It's not about him receiving a deck. Yeah. It's about us witnessing to him in hopes of that the seed that is planted within them. Yeah. There's a response. That's right. And go ahead, Grant. I was just thinking about uh, uh, we talk about Taylor a lot. Dude, he was, I think we all can agree that dude, he was good. But uh, one thing he said and one of the analogies he, or examples he used that uh, when he was witnessing back where he was from, and it, it keeps coming to my mind that uh, why evangelism is so important because uh, we, we talk about seeds a lot here at the church, throwing seeds out, throwing seeds out. And now uh, an example that Taylor used is that we don't know how many seeds have been thrown prior to us being there, nor do we know us throwing the seeds. We don't know. If, I mean, if they get saved, glory to God while we're there. If not... The yep. seeds that we don't know who's going to come later, who's going to come years down the road to plant more or to see uh, come to fruition. We never know that. So I just really want to throw that in there. Yeah, and that's where it all comes back. Like, it's not about us. And it's even like, you know, people don't realize the emphasis of 
a group of people that have the love of Jesus in them. And, you know, Jesus talked about loving our neighbors. He said that people would know us by how we love each other. I mean, it's just, it's it's all in there. But the thing that hit me is like, you know, you have a lot of groups that might do charity work, and it's great, and this and this and this. But like, it's even like, you know, when we pulled out of our street for the last time, here's our neighbor who her life, you know, was safe and we got to build furniture for her. Here's our homeowner who has not been in the hospital, but glory to God, she came home the last day and her daughter was with her. And we're leaving and both houses are standing on the front porch waving. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? The fact that we came in here and said, we are the church. This is who we are. This is what we'll do. This is how we'll pray for you. Because we prayed for our homeowner with our kids multiple times. The impact that we were able to leave there is not just a man's impact or a woman's impact. It's an impact that God can bring up in their memory a year from now and use that to save their soul. That's the God we serve. Yep. Those good works, right? Those opportunities that we take advantage of to share the gospel and pray with people and let people know that we are Christians of faith. God uses that stuff. Who's to say God can't take one of these homeowners and have him months from now sitting out on that deck drinking a cup of coffee and the Holy Spirit move on them, change their life. Because of that one board that's not straight. Because of that crooked board. Who's to say that can't happen? It can. God can do whatever he wants to do. And it's it's like even in that area, you know, one day my kids went to go evangelize, and they come back down the street, and they got uh, this guy with them. And I'm thought, you know, oh, great. More labor. Oh, great. (laughs) More labor. You know, he's coming to help. But the thing, the real reason was is some people might be listening like, did you just let your kids walk around by themselves? No, I got to go on a prayer walk with them. Um, But we had to go to a bathroom at a restaurant because we didn't get our porta potty till like day two. So our kids go to the bathroom and they're coming back with this guy. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, what's going on? And we had a huge project, by the way. Our ramp was like three feet off the east wing come to the front eight feet extend down 17 feet and we had our hands full and uh it was tough we didn't get done until friday morning and so there were some times where it was just like hey we're here to work we're gonna get done we'll evangelize it's gonna come one group leader um you know because when we went back in the day after the shooting we had to ask all the group leaders like do you feel comfortable as the leader of this group to let your kids go in and he said this, he said, man, those kids can share Jesus their whole lives. So you just get the work done, get them back. We'll take them somewhere where they can share Jesus. But what I thought was interesting is here we are, here comes this guy. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, I've dealt with people before. And he he's, he's out of his mind. He's completely out of his mind. And this is a guy that would ask me for a gun about two hours later. Um, I, I, he sang gospel hymns to me, yes. so that w- that was a start. A yeah, we uh, he he came the first time, and he was telling me about some prosperity preacher, which I was like, of course, you know, this is going to come up, but I'm not going to have that conversation with him at the moment. One, because I didn't understand what he was saying. So he's like, I'm on a mission. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. And uh, he, he talked about his underage girlfriend who did drugs, and it was just odd, odd experience. So he literally leaves, and we're working, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and, you know, I don't know what him it was, but imagine you're just working in the middle of the sketchy street, and someone comes around, and they're like, some glad morning, like a theatrical, and I turn around, and he's 
doing this in the middle of the street and I'm like oh my gosh you know so I go meet him halfway this time because he also made a couple of our girls uncomfortable so like I'm that's not gonna that's not happening so I meet him halfway and he sings me the song and everybody's like watching and I'm just sitting there like talking to him and a girl comes up and she's like you know you you told us you were anemic or something you know your skin deficiency or like your iron I don't know the full health on that but He's like, well, yeah, and he said, and I also, and he stopped, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, hey, man, it's all good. He was going to tell us he he used drugs. That's what he was going to tell us, and he decided not to, and, you know, the impact of this guy coming up, you know, a lot of people would probably run him off, and we had a couple other experiencing, interesting people come up. But it's like, we're not there to run them off. We're there to try to leave some sort of impact so they know what we represent. And, you know, a lot of people in the church would get uncomfortable. A lot of people would say, this isn't for me. A lot of people would run away from... Not my kind of people. Yeah, this isn't... I mean, one girl in our group said, I've never... We don't have people like this at my church. I'm like, you know, come come to Madisonville. This is This is what we see. But the thing that hurt my heart the most was I completely understand not everybody's cut out for street evangelism. I'm not here telling you I am, but I do it. But I'm here to say this. If we get to the point that we identify as Christians that this is not our people, this is not for us, this is not what we are about, this is not my area, then what are you about? Exactly. Because Jesus did it. Whosoever will. Yes. And he says that we need to imitate him and be Christ like. Now, I get it. Going out in street ministry, you know, it's not for everybody. But, man, the whole body of Christ can contribute to it one way or another. You, you think Zacchaeus was a popular man? No. People hated him. Yeah. He was known as a crook. Yeah. He had to hide in a tree to be able to see Jesus. They, I mean, he couldn't even get to the front. Yeah. Jesus saw value in him. Right. He saw a soul. He saw worth. Absolutely. Enough enough to go to his house. Not just tell him. Yep. And say, you know, hope everything works out for you. Yeah. Come down. I want to go I want to go spend time with you. Yeah. I want to get to know you. And in that I won't say effort. It it was just it was a, a visible display of interest. Yep. Hey, what's going on in your what's going on in your life? We need to be committed enough to at least absolutely share the gospel, but do it with compassion. Do it with a point of man alive. Image bearer. Exactly. Exactly. You are, you, you're important. You're, there, there's worth in you. You're valuable. And there's not ahead, one Josh. person, and that's the thing, there's not one person, especially in an addictive sin, you know, that's, on, that's hooked on a substance that is... You know, they get to a point to where that chemical, whatever it be, has control of them. None of them, even in the prostitution, none of them that you would speak to and say, you so what age did you choose this would give you a number? Because they would all tell you that their goals and their aspirations as a child all the way up was of other things. And then if you were to go deeper and one more question ahead and say, well, how did this happen? A lot of the times the response is, I truly don't know. 
I don't know. I don't. There wasn't a time that it like switched. It's just like over the time. And what's inside is a broken person, Absolutely. a broken individual yes, that is. is hungry for the listener to hear the gospel message and the love of Jesus Christ. Because if there's going to be a change, that's the only change. From somebody that cares about them. Not yes. somebody trying to condemn it, them or right. shame if we're them. There, if we're there condemning it with the condemning spirit or a judgmental spirit when we're witnessing to them we've done we've done more damage than what we have in good Nothing because but the thing about them is they are an image bearer of god yeah. and we are just there to share the message with them that's it you know and when the reason we share the law is the law that comes on is not to condemn the law is to show the goodness of christ you know and the thing about it is we we become such a place of prideful state that we are better than in our sin we look over our own sin we become righteous in our own eyes we, we talk a lot about being merciful the blessed <laughs> are the merciful you know what i'm saying they should obtain mercy because we've obtained the mercy that we didn't deserve and because god's blessed us with forgiveness that we don't deserve yeah that's mercy we yeah. should also be displaying that mercy on others yeah. absolutely like what, like what did the apostle paul say oh wretched man am i mm-hmm I mean, we all yeah. are that wretched man. Yeah. We all are full of sin. Yeah. So when we witness and when we encounter people, share the love of Christ. That's it. That's it. Don't even. I mean. Yeah. I wish that. I wish that every time I witnessed, I can leave myself aside. Yeah. But sometimes I don't, you know, because of my pride, yeah. my prideful state. I'm like, well, I, I didn't do anything. The Lord is what did it. And the realization. I mean, it's even like, you know, in this week, too, considering how we had to sleep and where we had to stay, not a lot of people are going to make that. I mean, abandoned school, not a lot of AC, not a lot of good, great things. But this is what I realized is, you know, during the week, they have something called the Encourage Grams, and I'm going somewhere with what we talked about. And some poor girl that was with her church group put it upon herself last week to write hateful messages to other girls and put it in their mailboxes. And I thought, man, my first response is I'm going to find out who this is. If it were me, if I'm in charge, I'm calling them out. I'm getting them out of here. But someone made a comment in our adult meeting that if it is a mature girl, then the approach you can take is, Hey, this isn't against you. This is just a result of their brokenness. Yep. So don't take it personal. Pray for them. And I started thinking, this girl's broken. She needs to be here. But now sitting here looking at all the prostitutes and the dealers and the homeless people and the homeowners that I got to meet, truly, there's no difference between them and I. There isn't. You're right. I'm as much of a human as they are, but... The one difference that I can find is in Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's like our pastor preached on this morning is because there was a moment in my life where I surrendered to the lostness and the conviction and put my faith in Jesus. And then he changed my life. That's the only difference I can find. But here's still the reality of it. It's not a difference that I have. If it's a, it's a difference he makes. Yeah. I'm, I'm still just as dirty as that prostitute. Yep. I'm still just as dirty as that dread act. We all are. We I, all are. Like People don't understand when they think about Christians and they think about Christianity. They're like, you know, 
I don't have to sin. I don't have this. I'm perfect. I've got to put my church clothes on. I got to do this. And they almost come become religious. And like people don't understand, you know, one thing about school is when you come into contact with so much knowledge about the word, you really find yourself for who scripture says you are. And people don't realize because my faith at the beginning of it all was so weak that when I saw scripture for what it was, I went through a tough spot of, man, how can I even call myself a Christian because of how broken I still am? I've been there a lot. I've been there a lot. People don't realize that. And that's like, you know, people who make comments about you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't be like this or you shouldn't struggle with this. I'm kind of like, bro, do you even know what sanctification is? Like, do you understand what it means? Because anybody that says they have no sin, the truth's not in them. And you might be listening to this and you're like, what do you mean you all are broken as that prostitute? As long as I'm in this body, I'm clothed in sin. And it's like, you know, even last night, me and Haley, were we were having a conversation. And I thought, you know, there have been so many times where I've made the wrong decision, right? There's been times in my life that I've made awful decisions. There's been times that in the midst of almost making a terrible decision, I stopped. And we were talking about that last night, just about the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And I told her, I said, the only reason I stopped was because of Jesus. The only reason I didn't make that one decision was because of Jesus. And while I can refrain from sin, I'm still dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people don't want to come to church. Because the Christians are clean. They're perfect. We don't want to be around them. And that's where the church has failed. And Josh said, Paul said, I'm wretched man that I am. But you guys don't understand. Paul literally went to his Jewish brothers and sisters and said, I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was a covetous man till I, sin revived and I died. I didn't know that. So he's literally becoming vulnerable and saying the things I do, I don't want to do, but the things I don't do, I want to... And he's going through this comparison. And Paul is vulnerable with the readers, but also his Jewish brothers and sisters saying, I know what you're going through. My heart's towards you, right? Because when you come into Romans 10, that's what he's saying. He's like, I pray for them. I want them to be saved. Romans 9, he's saying that as well. But if we're not willing as believers to look at lost people and say, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. Yeah. I still make mistakes, but can I tell you something? Jesus loves you. He died for you, and if you'll just believe in him, your life will be completely changed. And it's like, you know, I I didn't have a... I was saved when I was young. I didn't have some road to Damascus experience where I'll live this way and live. then God did this. But what I know is... When brokenness came my way, faith followed. But I can't attest to a time in my life where I made awful decisions. And here's the thing. I've thought about it since it's happened. What on that day made me decide to quit things cold turkey? What made me decide to want to go into ministry? What made me want to give up countless hours of my week to go spend time with teenagers? And this is what I've learned through Scripture. The carnal man wouldn't want to do that. Nope. 
The carnal man wouldn't want the change. The carnal man wouldn't want to go spend countless hours with teenagers and share the gospel and teach and preach and do all these things. And I found myself, you know, thinking, you know, I didn't have the road to Damascus story, but it's like in the Bible when it always says, but God, right? Mm -hmm. There's that moment where God came to me where I was and said, listen, I have greater plans for you. And he changed everything. And he changed my entrance. And he took me on a different path. But just because God took me on a different path does not mean that we can't relate to people. And Paul also said if there was anything worth boasting in, him and all men could boast. He said, I will boast in the Lord. Yes, that's right. And when we come in contact with prostitutes, drug dealers, or homeless people, we have nothing to boast about. Absolutely. But we can boast about Jesus. Yep. We can pray for them. We can give them food and raiment. We can try to help them get to rehab. We can offer them opportunities. But if we're not willing to do that as a church or as a Christian, then it's almost like looking at the Great Commission and saying, I'm not doing that. And so, I, Grant, how long are we going? What, what time? What we got? We're over. Oh, we're over. 16 minutes over. Oh, wow. That's awesome, though. And so, guys, I hope you're challenged. And maybe this week you'll sign up for a mission trip. Maybe you'll start something with your church. Because if you want the realness and the experience that we've talked about in this room today, you're going to have to get out of your pew. You're going to have to get out of your chair. And you're going to have to go share the gospel. So, guys, do you all have... Alan, you got something? No, I'll save it. <laughs> okay. Um, Alan will save it. Anything else, guys? God bless. God bless. All right, Grant. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. Peace.